This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twang. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 227 of Hippoly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. I'm Tracy. Tracy? Yes, Jerry. I love you. Hmm. I love you. As you're taking a drink right as we start. Sorry. I love you. <laughs> I love you, Jerry Polly. <laughs> so anyway, we would all start off, obviously, by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys, gals, dogs, and the families of all those. And obviously, like, it includes all of the people on the front lines of the hospitals of and stuff fighting COVID. And Thank- it's hard to believe that they're still dealing with this crap. Yeah. Hang in there. Hopefully, we'll have uh, a vaccine here soon. Yeah. We don't know how y'all do it day in and day out. I know God gives you strength, but... Um, we're still praying for you guys, and thank you so much for taking care of all of us. We appreciate you. Tracy, there's been a lot in this country going around as far as, one, and, and uh, Great Britain and stuff too, with a lot of uh, shutdowns in states as far as uh, restaurants and stuff like that. With that being said, you, then people who work in the restaurants get hit hard, and they're getting laid off this time of the year right before the holidays and everything, so it kind of really sucks. But I know it's going to take its toll on people. I'm already starting to see it on Facebook. People saying, hey, I don't even know how we're going to make ends meet now. With uh, I know here in Kentucky, I can't speak for every state, but in, here in Kentucky, we've got restaurants shut down to at least, I think, the 13th of December. And then they'll see what they're going to do. And then some other businesses and stuff have been yeah. hit hard. So it's tough out there. And, and it's one of those situations where it could push some people over the edge. If you're already struggling and something like it happens. And, you know, like I said, we see it in the group every single day that somebody's like, you know, hey, it's just it's been extra tough with all this and it's kind of pushing pushing me to the side I don't want to be on. Uh, luckily, we've got people that uh, are willing to jump in and help and talk them off of these ledges, so to speak. But we just wanted to let you know that during these hard times, you do have people. Please talk to someone. Don't take it upon yourself to just assume that nobody wants to listen to you during these um, times where it's tough it's tough on everybody that doesn't mean people don't want to hear your problems it just means that they understand it even more correct and um if you need to call the hotline it's 800-273-8255 or 741-741 if you want to text you know if you guys need to reach out to us for anything i mean if you're having struggles with christmas presents things of any kind like that Please let us know because we will definitely try to help you guys out. As far as the restaurants go and everything, you know, just it's a hard time for everybody, not, you know, just the restaurants, but, you know, try to get takeout or something to keep them going. Or, you know, like somebody said the other day, when the people bring out their food to your car, give them a tip. They're still doing their job and they could really use that. So, you know, just little things so we can help our community, um, you know, 
it will help out more than you know. Again, if anybody has any um, problems or with anything, please feel free to call uh, Jerry and I and uh, reach out to the group because we're always here for you. I also want to add while we're on the subject, a lot of people are going to be trying to do their holiday shopping and stuff like that. Shop small businesses if you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great to go to the, you know, a lot of these bigger clothes outlets and stuff like that. But there's a lot of people, uh, you know, we got a lot of people that have Etsy accounts that are, you know, friends and family members. And a mm-hmm. lot of people are selling products like what's that 31, whatever with the purses. and oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. just consider using some of those places, Scentsy and, and all that. Um you know, I know a couple of our members do Scentsy and mm-hmm. stuff like if You know, if, you, if you're going to buy candles or something, buy from them. Don't buy from Yankee. I don't have anything against Yankee. But no. I mean, let's help out the small guys. If yeah, you can. let's do that if we can. All right. I want to um, bring up something that's a little bit of a, a tough one when you, when you lose somebody. But Randy Gilson Jr. is a longtime listener of the show, interacts on in the group and... Uh, personal friend through Facebook and he lost his father uh, Randy Gilson senior on Friday the 13th mm-hmm. and uh, I know he used to they used to listen to the show together sometimes and you know it's it's tough he was he fought a good battle and sometimes you just lose that battle sometimes and when the time comes it comes doesn't make it easier on anybody but we just wanted to Mentioned to uh, the Gilson family, you guys run our thoughts and prayer. Absolutely. And I have one to add. Melissa Albertson's father passed away as well. She's in our group. And God love y'all. I, I just, it's a hard thing to lose, especially around the holidays, you know. And it takes a while to get over it. It does. I still cry every day over my dad. Do Almost something comes up. And, you know, but we're here to to help you if you all just need to talk or anything please feel free to call us okay we're really sorry for the losses of your family members we'll say a prayer for you guys and we love you okay tracy we've done a few stories from alton illinois now alton is one of those places similar to atchison and the fact that it's like a super haunted smaller town it's not like a big city like you know new orleans or savannah or something yeah. like that but it's just got that reputation of being one of the most haunted places in the country. So we could do a story from Alton literally every week for the rest of the year if we wanted to. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that's so it's amazing. So I think we're going to try to do a live event there when we can get stuff up and running and this whole COVID thing is under control. I think I want to try to do a live event out there. It would be pretty awesome. Oh, There's cool. That sounds fun. a couple cool places that I think we could set that up at. And it's not that far from us. It's only like... Four and a half hours. No, that's not bad at all. So this week, I've decided to do the McPike Mansion. Our friend Diane Student from History Goes Bump, she's actually been on a tour of the McPike Mansion. She's going to join us in a little bit and kind of tell us about the experiences they had there. And they actually did have some cool experiences. Oh, they did. Yes. She said it's one of the most haunted places that she's ever been to. And considering the fact that She's been to a lot of haunted places. No kidding. As a matter of fact, as we're doing this show, she's actually in a haunted place in Savannah getting ready to take a ghost tour as we speak. No kidding. Yeah. All right. Good for her. Before we talk about the mansion, let's talk a little bit about Alton. Alton is right on the Mississippi River. It's about 18 miles from St. Louis. So it's a suburb of St. Louis. There are tons of limestone in that area. And the proximity to the limestone and to the river is... I think what those two combined is kind of what makes it 
one of the most haunted places in America. It's just something about water and something about limestone, mm-hmm. and when you get those two together, yeah, that's it's funny. Just... That is weird. Also, I don't know if you know who. Do you know who Robert Wadlow is? I don't. You probably don't know him by name. You would know him by sight. Okay. Because he was, according to Guinness, the world's tallest man. The guy with the glasses? Yes. Oh, I did not know that was his name. He died at 22 years old and was at 8 foot oh my gosh. 11 inches. He had a, uh, I think, I can't remember what the reason. I think it was pituitary gland. Yeah, problem. I believe you're right. But they said that they felt like that if he can, if he had lived longer, he would have continued to even grow bigger than what he did. No, but he would have been like Jack and the Beanstalk. I, I guess so. Well, I think Jack was regular size. He just climbed no, he the wasn't. beanstalk. Was he? Yeah, he climbed a beanstalk, and that's what it's like. Oh, he'd be like the beanstalk. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that crazy? Robert Wadlow lived there, and they, his house is still there, and they've got a giant life size statue of him and, a, and a, uh, like a statue of his chair, an actual size of his chair nice. that he had to sit in and all that. So. You know, you you want, you want wish he could have lived longer than he did because that's so young. But man, what would he have gone through if he hadn't kept growing? I mean, think about that. Eight foot, he was almost nine foot tall. That is just crazy. All right. So let's talk about the McPike Mansion. McPike Mansion was built atop of Mount Lookout Park. What's well, in Mount Lookout Park now? Because they called it Mount Lookout. It's the highest point in Alton. Oh, okay. So back then, people didn't call it the McPike Mansion. They called it Mount Lookout. Mm-hmm. That was the name of the home. Well, but now it's just the area is now called Mount Lookout Point. McPike Mansion was built in 1869 by Henry Guest McPike. And it sits on top of 15 acres. That's right. His middle name is Guest. So like, even when he lived there, guest? Is even that when he saying? lived there, he was a guest in his own house. <laughs> Henry McPike was quite the man, though. He was friends with Abraham Lincoln. (gasps) Lucky. He was even on stage during the famous Lincoln-Douglas debates. I don't know about all that, but... (laughs) What do you mean you don't know about all that? Well, I'm just saying he's lucky to be friends with him, but I wouldn't want to hang out at a debate. (laughs) Go fishing or something, maybe. McPike had his hand into a little bit of everything. Not only was he a friend of Honest Abe... He was a politician himself, and he served two terms as Alton's mayor from 1887 to 1891. He was also into real estate, as well as a winemaker and a horticulturist. Now, see, I like that in a man. A horticulturist? I can't no, even say like it. No, like a winemaker and good, good, like grow grapes to make wine. <laughs> He's a rounded person. <laughs> yes, he is. He had orchards on the grounds of the uh, mansion that he had. Plus, he also had vineyards. Very takes, cool. Takes vineyards. Now, I don't get this, though. He perfected his very own grape known as the McPike grape. He was This grape was, like, super well-known back in the day. It just don't have a good ring to it, though. The McPike grape? No. <laughs> Doesn't roll off the tongue? No. So, Henry died in 1910. The property was bought in 1925 by Paul Leishinger, who lived there as well as ran it as a boarding house, and he continued to live there until he passed away in 1945. Following his death, there were a few people who lived in and out of the house until about the mid-50s. Then the mansion became abandoned, which happened so many times with these huge properties. It just Mm -hmm. blows my mind. It was abandoned for decades and fell into some major disrepair. 
There was talk of doing some demolition. They wanted to turn the land into a shopping center, but there were some problems with some zoning issues. Therefore, it never Never happened. Never happened, huh? So during this time, the house was ransacked, vandalized. Items were destroyed, including furniture, wooden banisters, and even the toilets. Really, people get a damn life. That's what I say. Seriously. The McPike Mansion was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in June of 1980. That helped in them no longer going to demolish it because you're not going to be able to demolish it if it's on the you know uh, registered the registry, places. Yeah. But it fell into further disrepair over the next 14 years until the mansion went up for auction and was purchased in 1994 by Sharon and George Ludke. Their eventual goal was to turn it into a hotel or a bed and breakfast. They were assured at the auction that if they bought it, there was going to be some federal and state grants that would come in and give them the money to do restorations on it. Mm-hmm. So that's the main reason they got it. They knew they were going to be taken care of. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Somebody lied. I'm not exactly sure why everything fell through, but the result was they now have this dilapidated, condemned mansion and no money to fix it up. What a shame. So what do you do when you get no grant money? I'm going to tell you what they did right after we tell you that this episode is sponsored by El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Yummo. Tracy, I'm sure you're aware of this, but they are the number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States. I am so aware that (laughs) I want everybody to be aware. And in the top 10 of all hot sauce in the United States, hashtag king of flavor. King of the mofo flavor. And we appreciate that all you people that are taking pictures. Tim Mullins took some pictures. Yes. And he finally found some and uh, posted it up on the website. And then, but what about B.A.? Um, I think she put some in her chili. She made a smoked chili. I had never heard of this, but apparently she makes the chili and then puts the chili into a smoker to add that smoky flavor. And she used El Yucateco and she yeah. posted it. She did. I need to post the whole recipe so I can. Man, I wish we could have smella pewter. Oh, that sounded terrible. Oh, (laughs) that didn't sound very good. No, I mean like we could smell her chili. I wish we could have smelt it. Yeah. So, anyways, because it looked delicious. You guys need to get your hands on your own El Yucateco hot sauce. I've been sending out El Yucateco stickers with the books. Yeah, I know. And we've been at the book signings. We've been giving them away. Anyways. If you want to get yours, go to most major groceries that carry it, such as Target or Walmart. If you don't see it, go ahead and ask for it by name. Maybe they'll start carrying it. Or you just go to lucateco.com. Use our special code, which is Hillbilly Horror, mm-hmm. and get 10% off your entire purchase. Yes, do it, y'all. You'll just love it. Oh, you know what else is good in? What? Deviled eggs. I know, because we've used it on deviled eggs a couple of times. You know, the I, chipotle's the best though because it's the chipotle flavor. Even though that's not one of the habaneros, it's got a smoky flavor. It works perfect for deviled eggs. I forgot that I said that we did that. Do that. Sorry, we've just used it so much. I just keep forgetting. <laughs> we got seven different kinds on our counter as we speak. <laughs> yeah. So they have to painstakingly, slowly restore this mansion with George Lucky doing most of the work, with the help of a little small army of volunteers over the years helping him out. One of these people is a gentleman by the name of Eric Lavelle. Now, he was, I guess, a specialist, we'll say, mm-hmm. in fixing up all kinds of uh, older-type Victorian places. area oh, places okay. era. because mm-hmm. he had an assortment of tools that were from the Victorian era. 
tools that are perfect for projects like this, such as the crown molding and a window making machine. Oh. He, he said like this window making machine is a tool that would normally just sit in a corner and just draw dust. But in this house, it can actually be used. Well, that's great. Never throw nothing away. I know it. So Eric's daughter had read about the McPike Mansion. This is how he got involved with it. And they went, uh, was read, I guess, reading a book called Weird Illinois. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned a bunch of places. So they, they went to all these different places. The McPike Mansion was one of them. And they get there. And he looked at all the work that needed to be done when they were there. And he found George Ludke. And he's like, hey, this is kind of what I do. I'm kind of a specialist there. And I got all the tools. And they've literally been working together for years on this project. Oh, my Lord. It was a perfect match. So, because of the grants didn't come through, the Ludkeys have had to fit the bill for the renovation, and they do this most of the time by paranormal investigations and just giving tours and mm-hmm. uh, family-friendly campouts on the premises and stuff That's like nice. that. That's nice. Most of the second floor remains unsafe, even to this day. Keep in mind, they bought this in 1994, 16 uh, years ago. Yeah. That's how much money it takes to to do the repairs and how slow that it is yeah i'm surprised they haven't given up i mean who's gonna buy it that's you know it's probably hard to you know so they've been able like i said to raise most of this through camp outs and and paranormal stuff but you know it's i'm sure they would expect it to be a lot further along by now than when they bought the place you know 26 years later they're nowhere near where they want it to be but the renovations continue even today so when the ludkeys bought the mansion they had not heard any of these stories about the place being haunted. Oh this my was completely gosh, are you kidding them. me? No. It didn't take long for them to figure it out, though. George said that they would be working out in the yard, and he would feel someone just kind of watching him. He said it wasn't a scary feeling, more like he was just being watched as if a supervisor Yeah, I was making was sure he was doing it right. Yeah. Sharon said that she saw a figure that she thought at one point was Mr. McPike himself roaming around the premises. She said uh, it looks just like pictures that she's seen of him in the past. I mean, honestly, wouldn't you want to stay around till the finished product and then once it's finished, maybe he'll go away? It's possible. You know, I mean, he's probably thinking, what is taking you all so long? Yeah, actually, the story that we're, one of the stories we're working on next week comes on that same thing. That there was some renovations and once the renovations were done and completely restored, then the activity kind of stopped. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's a pretty common deal. Sharon says that she has a rule that she likes to go by when it comes to ghost sightings. If she hears a story three times from three different people, she believes it. Huh? For example, Henry's last daughter, her name, I believe, is Maura Lynn, used to compete in whistling contests. Oh. So when random visitors say that they heard whistling, she can only assume that this is Moralyn reaching out. Huh. Because these I people, never heard that one. These people won't know that she was involved in whistling contests. Yeah. So she just knows that she hears from staff and from visitors. Oh, that, I bet that hey, she... I heard somebody whistling. And then once and she then hears they... that and knows the story, she just assumes. So there's an unknown child's crypt on the grounds that may actually be the cause of some of the incidents and the paranormal activity going on. Jerome Minks, he handles the tech support for the paranormal tours there at the mansion, and he keeps a record of any kind of experiences that he or the guests have reported to him. Hmm. wonder how many he has. A bunch. 
He's hmm. been assistant on this tour for well over a decade. Oh, well, I bet he does have a lot to talk about. <laughs> he said he had an occurrence once. He said he was in a doorway, and he, he felt, get this, he felt his neck to his leg get ice cold. He then felt somebody give him a diagonal hug, like someone was like looking over his shoulder and just kind of reached a hand over from his shoulder to the opposite side of the hip. And he said he wasn't scared at all. It felt like a curious... Loving hug from a family member. Oh, I wish I could get one of those. <laughs> he said the ghost tours take you into the cellar. Now, this is where the McPikes used to bottle their wine. Mm-hmm. And I showed you a picture of this on the video, and you mm-hmm. said you would not want to go down there. No. And actually, when uh, they do they do what they call a dark room session. They turn off every one of the lights. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. Never. Why would you do that? <laughs> and that's what Diane and them did. When, no. So that's what they're oh, gonna she talk did about. that? Yeah, that's what they're going to, her and Kelly did. And that's what <gasps> they're going to talk about. And when I, they're going to tell us everything that went on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they're so brave. They say that when Henry McPike shows up, he's darker than black. And you can, even though you can't see your hand in front of your face, you can see him. Because he's even blacker than what the dark is. Oh, my Lord. You see the whites of his eyeballs? I don't think you see the whites of his eyeballs, but Diane and Kelly, like I said, they did this. And from my understanding is they saw, I don't want to steal their thunder, but they could see almost like the white of outline or something of him. So you had the darkness, but it was almost because... It was so dark that it almost looked like it was like a white outline or something like that. Like Truly. All right. So, Diane also tells, talks about in the segment we recorded that they got an EVP that she sent me. And we're going to play that at the end. Ooh, I so cannot you can hear wait. the EVP that they did at the session. Sandy Little Lizard. It's <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> not funny. It ain't funny. It's cute. <laughs> Sandy Little Lizard is a medium who helps out there with these dark sessions. And like she's like I said, they're done in complete darkness in that creepy cellar that's under a haunted mansion. There is no, you cannot pay me enough money to do that. What about you? You would do it. Oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. Oh, see. What do you you're... think about it? I'd, I'd sit in there in the dark by myself. No, honey. <laughs> she says that there are children spirits that will come and sit on your lap. Oh. <gasps> During each session. She said a person will be perfectly warm from top of their head to their legs. But she said, but their, their legs will be ice cold because they've got a ghost sitting on them. Oh. So we mentioned Eric Lavelle and his daughter, Claire, earlier. I don't think I mentioned her name was Claire, but her name's Claire. They're the ones that came up there with the antique mm-hmm. uh, equipment. So Eric said that Aside from just getting a big thrill mm-hmm. out of helping out with this project, he also likes the thought of knowing that there's paranormal activity going around. He said that him and his daughter have both had some strange things going on. He wasn't willing to classify it as paranormal activity, but he said it's definitely strange while they're working there. Eric himself said that when they first got there and started doing some work, the original doors to mm-hmm. the front, these huge doors, they had not been on the hinges so it had been open for anybody to come and go. Oh. They had not been on the hinges for decades. Why would they do that? Well, I mean, I guess. Just I mean, keep, if you want to get in, yeah. you can get in. Yeah, so. I mean, it was, nobody was really watching the place. So he said, so they, they put the doors back on the hinges. And he said they would blow. The wind kept blowing them shut. 
Mm-hmm. So if they tried to keep them open, the wind would blow them shut. So once they shut the last time, they left it shut, and they decided that they were going to go to lunch. Eric came back. The doors are still shut. He bends down to pick up his tools. He looks up, and now the doors are, are open again. And he said it was as if, as if they were telling him to go, that they wanted him to go put the doorknob on. Hmm. So that's what he did, and then it stopped. <laughs> now, Claire, on the other hand, his daughter, she said one time she was on her way down to the cellar area. She said she heard this really loud crashing noise. Sound like, you know, somebody had knocked over a table just full of glass. She said, but when she got down to the cellar, there was absolutely nothing broken and nothing out of place. But she knows for a fact that's where that noise came from. That is spooky. Sharon says that up on the second floor, this was about seven weeks after they got there, she said she saw a man in a striped shirt in one of the windows up on the second floor that she believes is Paul Lashinger, which was the guy who ran the boarding house there. Yeah. She isn't sure if Paul died in the house. Mm-hmm. She knows he died while he was living there, but she's not sure if it was in the house or at the hospital. So, who knows? And they actually have a picture of him. So, she knows that what the guy she saw matches up exactly to the no, picture okay. that she saw. Yeah. So, that's why she thinks it's him. George has seen some Native American spirits on the property. Cool. In all, Sharon believes that there there's about 10 spirits that inhabit McPike Mansion. Sharon remembers one time in the cellar that they had this large group, 5th and 6th grade boys and some parents, and they were doing, you know, in the like little cellar little, thing. Yeah. Sharon asked the spirits to join them. Wait, she turned the lights off with the little kids? I believe, I don't know if the lights were off or not on this one. Oh, man. I'd have been freaking out. But she asked the spirits to join them, and she asked them to show... By sight, touch, or smell. She said about that time, the huge metal cellar doors slammed shut. She said it was very unnerving. I don't know. I bet all the kids were like, eh. <laughs> Sharon was scared, but she said that she tried her best not to show it. She replied to the spirits that she was glad that they were there, but could they not be so loud? <laughs> <laughs> she said they stayed for a few more minutes, and then they hurriedly left. <laughs> Sharon's first experience was a pleasant one. She said she was in the house, and, of course, there was, you know, uh, debris everywhere. Yeah. And she said she tripped over some boards and some bricks, and she thought she was going to face plant, just fall flat down. But she said she felt a tug on her sweat jacket as if someone was trying to keep her from from falling. falling. Good for her. Becky needs one of those. (laughs) Becky and Amber both. (laughs) Sharon said that sometimes you feel what the spirits are feeling. She thinks that sometimes people feel the sadness of Mary, who was Henry McPike's first wife. Mary lost two children at a very young age. Oh, that's so sad. These may be the children who hop on the laps and tug on the shirts of the employees and the visitors. Sharon says that you can hear footsteps and knocking all different times throughout the the, uh, premises. Mm -hmm. They had a situation where there was a group... They heard a knock at the door, but then they went to the big door, and there was absolutely nobody there. Trust me, these are big-ass doors. When you oh, know, yeah. There's a I knock, would, it echoes. I would say, especially I have the knockers. Do they have the knockers? Um, I, I wonder. I don't know. I'm just, I just can't remember any of the pictures showing oh, okay. they had knockers. 
I thought you were talking about sharing it first. <laughs> kind of threw me off. I, I don't know. I didn't see her knockers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure she had nice knockers. Maybe back in her day. <laughs> she said she also felt a hand stroke her cheek one time. Aww. Sometimes people will see sparkling lights and colors while sitting in complete darkness. See, I like that. Also, a situation that Diane and them saw. They saw Don't be telling all the story. Well, I'm not getting into details. I'm but just... you're doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Diane and Kelly. He's messing up your story. Well. No, we ain't messing it up, but we got to leave him for the audience. I told 12 seconds a story. She's on the show for like 20 minutes. I think there's a lot more details than what I got into. Well, yeah. Don't be telling the highlights. From outside, people have seen two different women in Victorian clothes, as well as a sighting of what they believe to be Paul uh, lashing again, like we said. Mm-hmm. So a couple of people have seen him other than her. And Paul, like we mentioned a few times, was the guy who ran the boarding house out of it. Now, there is a rumor that he got possession of the house because McPike's son, John Haley, lost it to him during a poker game. And that's how he got possession of the house. I don't know if that's true. That's just a rumor. Both people do not play when it comes to gambling. (laughs) No, no. There's several reports of cameras malfunctioning when left unattended overnight. One paranormal group, they got pictures from outside of a strange mist up near the second floor that has a resemblance of a face in the midst. Cool. That's a pretty cool picture. The mansion has a very bad reputation. Someone told Sharon after she bought it that the place should be burnt down and sprinkled with holy water. That's comforting. The news crew, this is my favorite part. We're going to end on this one. There was a news crew from the local uh, news there, Channel 11, and they wanted to do a Halloween story back in 2010. So they sent this reporter by the name of Patrick Clark to McPike because it was supposed to be full of entities, right? And he's a newbie? Yeah. He was like, <laughs> I don't know if he was a newbie or not. But he, gets, he wants to go out there and do this cool-ass Halloween story. And they got some really good, good orb pictures and stuff like that. These orbs are like perfectly circular shaped. It's mm-hmm. not your typical. These don't look like dust. Yeah. These are look like light anomalies. So really cool. So Patrick was a skeptic, of course, and they're outside taking these pictures. He sees them. He's not concerned at all. Mm -hmm. He's Mr. Big Shot. He felt this was going to make a great story. Couldn't wait to get on it. So on the way in the house, he was informed by a paranormal investigator about the spirits that would drain the batteries and stuff like that of their equipment. About five minutes after they got inside, the camera went completely dead. The videographer, Teresa Paoli-Ojeda, she said that batteries should last at least two hours, and she got maybe 20 minutes from what they filmed outside, and then five minutes of getting inside, gone. Patrick said nothing had happened to him. He was disappointed, so he said he was just continuing on, and then they got to the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> just as they were about to leave, he got a chill right down his back. Now, he said this was a chill that you can't just shake off. He said it would not go away. Most chills would just, you'll get it. Go yeah. quarter. He said this one didn't. He said he took several steps and it was still there. Now the video shows one of these orbs right in Ooh. his, right there on top of him as he's got. Like in the back? This of chill. the back of him? No, it's like in the front. Oh. You see like around, like you see him standing and you see like a round 
think of a round circle mm-hmm. and then another circle inside of that circle, kind of like a double circle. Cool. That's what these things look like. And it was right there on him as he was having his chill. So the paranormal group said that during the filming, they were chasing an entity that liked to make dust swirl. Now, when I when I say this, try to picture this. Picture, have you ever seen like it's when it's real dusty outside and you'll get every like once in a while like, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just the dust will just all of a sudden just kick up mm-hmm. in the air. That's what was happening inside the cellar. Ooh. So they called the phenomenon. Phenomena. Stop. Da, 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 da. Dusty plasma. Dusty plasma. Sounds like a wrestler. That name. So the spirit actually picks up the dust and debris and throws it in his face. So it could be seen, I guess. I don't know, but it picks it up, and that's its way of of like manifesting itself. Oh my god! So you might not be I able to see it, but you can pants. see the dust. So after Patrick had this chill, he left. He he freaked <laughs> out. He, he freaked out, and he went outside. So they were still inside. Apparently, he went outside for a little bit. And he was talking to the camera, and they convinced him to go back inside with the paranormal investigators. He led the way down to the cellar where it was ice cold. But there was a little small section that was even much colder than that one. It was like right in the middle of the room. So the investigators told Patrick that there were a few spirits around him at the time. They could see him. According to them, they could see. Oh the my gosh! I wonder what he did. They heard some crashing sounds upstairs, and they went to check it out. They smelled a perfume that they th- think belonged to a former servant by the name of Sarah. So they caught a strange light that was in front of Patrick. They go outside to discuss what they had found, and there was an electrical line across the street, mm-hmm. and it completely snapped, causing this big, huge flash of light and scaring the hell out of the film crew and all the investigators. It's like a transmitter blew. All this happened right there. Oh, wow. I bet he wasn't disappointed then. <laughs> no, I think he was. I think he made his point <laughs> the, of, of no longer being a skeptic. Yes. How interesting. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Well, Tracy, we're going to take a really quick break from our sponsor. I think then... I need to go potty. Well, you can do that during our quick break. I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do we got iTunes reviews wise? All right. We have Kay Cummings, or Cummins, I should say. Spend for Life 84. Mojo Lobster. Golly, Bill. <laughs> Mom one oh one six oh nine and E V G Travis Lane. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for those awesome reviews. We love you, love you, love you. Keep them coming if y'all don't mind. It helps us out a lot. And our Patreons this week was Aurora Jordan. Thank you, sweetheart, for your patronage and your support. We appreciate you guys so much. Awesome. And we know we don't talk enough about Patreon on here. And I, and I say that in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the things you get with Patreon, you get commercial-free episodes. I mm-hmm. even cut the L you could take commercials out of them um, for the for you guys. And so you don't have to deal with any of that. And for a dollar a month, you get the commercial-free episodes. Plus, you get four shorts a month. Yeah. So, not bad. And then for, a, you know, got five different levels. I think we got the one, the three, the five, the ten, and the mm-hmm. fifteen. So, four different levels. 
Also, and, we have new Christmas shirts. Yep, Christmas shirts go to the store. Um, if you go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, the link is right there. Yeah. So you can do that. Uh, you can also get copies of the book. makes good Christmas presents. I have a PayPal link on there for books in the United States and international books. So oh, there cool. are different prices because the shipping is of so shipping, much more yeah. expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, But there is an option for even if you live in a different country and you want a book, I'll gladly autograph it. Tracy will autograph it. And we'll send it to you and we'll... Throw a little bookmark and stuff. We got bookmarks now. We'll, yeah, thank you guys so much. Stuff. We'll, we'll make it worth your while. Yeah, thank you for supporting Jerry on this book. It's it's amazing how much you guys have really done, and it means a lot to him and I as well. And we just appreciate you guys. You just don't understand. Yeah, it means don't. a lot. And and I'm excited to say that I was informed by Amazon that I am the best selling author in this household. <laughs> so it's you know I owe that to you guys. Oh. <laughs> I have to get you some kind of an award or a trophy or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play the interview with Diane. You're going to love this one. It's very interesting. And then we're going to follow it up with the uh, EVP at the very end. And uh, you guys are going to like that, too. And we'll talk to you next week. Hey, guys. I'm happy to have Diane's student back on board for this uh, edition and uh, who knows, we may actually have some surprises in the future for you guys with some collaborations with her and Kelly and Tracy and myself. So, Diane, thanks for coming on. Hey, Jerry, you know I love being on with you. You're one of my favorite people. You know what I like about you is I literally, I think the last two times you've been on, I contacted you like within a couple of hours earlier and said, hey, do you want to jump on? And you're just like always available. So that works out good for me. I guess that means I have no life. I, I was getting ready to say that really sounded bad right after I said it. It almost sounded like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I've got you on, Diane, is we're doing the McPike Mansion, obviously, this week. Uh, they, they've heard that part so far. And it was funny, as I was flipping through YouTube, at different things I was watching on to try to learn a little bit and, uh, and uh, accustom myself to what was going on there, I ran across episode 301 of your podcast, History Goes Bump. And I didn't listen to it because I don't I didn't want to be um swayed one way or the other to say. I swayed. I just making up words now. I didn't want to be swayed one way to the other. And but I but I was like Hey, I'm just going to call Diane. And since you actually went to McPike when you went to the Haunted American Conference, and uh, I thought I'd have you pop on and tell me a little bit about what your experiences were when you uh, went there. Well, I have to tell you, Jerry, uh, this is one of mine and Kelly's favorite places that we've ever been to. And we had some extraordinary experiences there. It's not really what you expect because you think, oh, the McPike Mansion, it's one of these old mansions. So you're thinking, oh, it's going to be grand. You go inside and you get all the original hardwood floors and some antique furniture. Well, when you get to McPike Mansion, you realize pretty quickly that this place is a disaster. It is in a lot of disrepair. And even though there's probably some people who got to see it on Ghost Adventures and Zach and the crew were on the upstairs part, most people don't get to go into that part because it's really dangerous. I mean, they haven't. There's a lot of refurb that still needs to be done. So basically, when you go to visit the McPike Mansion, you go down into the wine cellar, which is basically a really large 
kind of a basement area that is pitch black when they turn out the lights. And it's a really cool experience when you go there. The woman who owns it is named uh, Sharon. I'm sure you probably already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Sharon and, and George Luckby. Yes. And she just felt called to this mansion. And you can tell when she is talking about it and telling you the history about it and about the McPike family that she loves this place. And I think that is what helps the spirits to stay there, too, because I think they really appreciate what she and George are doing and the fact that they are doing these tours and bringing people in to try to upkeep the place, keep the history going And the evening that we were there, she had a medium guide who was there, who was also a Cherokee Choctaw. And I think her name was Sandy. And she was amazing. Now, Jerry, you know that I am an open-minded skeptic, just like you. Correct. So when somebody says they're a medium, I'm already a little bit like, (laughs) "Uh uh-huh, okay. (laughs) Well, when you have this medium telling you, oh, yeah, this spirit's coming on down to talk to us, and this one is... And she starts talking about them in colors. You really start going, what is going on here? So what we did is we go down and we have what they call a dark session. They have a bunch of these chairs that's down in this wine cellar and they turn out all the lights. You turn off your cell phones. And so you're just sitting in the pitch black and Sandy starts talking about the different family members. And she'll say, well, this woman will usually show up as white. And then there is this one who usually shows up as red. And then this one's purple. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, whatever's going on here. Sounds like a disco. (laughs) (laughs) It does. You're waiting for the strobe lights to start going. (laughs) Well, I stopped laughing about it when all of a sudden I started to see the color purple right in front of me. Whoopi Goldberg? Yes, it was a fabulous movie. We had a great time. We bought popcorn. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So Sandy was sitting across from me, and then Kelly was over to my right. There was nobody right directly in front of me. There was a bit of a space between us. And so I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm seeing kind of this purple color in front of my face. And my first inclination was there's something wrong with my eyes. They're trying to adjust to the dark because most of us are not used to being in pitch black. And, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and it's black in your room and you're kind of looking around, your eyes sometimes do weird things with colors. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought that that's what was going on. And it was really weird because it just started out as this like dot and then it started swirling around and it got really, really big until I felt like I was almost enveloped in this purple. And I started thinking to myself, I don't think this is just my eyes playing tricks on me. And then all of a sudden, Sandy goes, oh, look, Gertrude is here. And she presents as purple. And I went, well, I'm seeing purple in front of me. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, Kelly goes, I can see the purple in front of you, too, because she knew where I was sitting. And then there was a girl who was sitting right next to Kelly that was kind of uh, would be directly to my right. And she said, I see purple, too. So all of a sudden, I'm going, okay. I'm not seeing things because all these people are seeing the same color. Jerry, I kid you not, for 15 minutes, this purple color just continued to envelope me. I could see nothing but purple in front of me. And it kept doing this, like, it would get really big. And then it would kind of get smaller, almost like it was stepping away. And then it would start swirling and get big again. It, it was the craziest experience I'd ever had. 
And I've never had another experience like that, except for when we went to the Velisca Axe murder house. Kelly and I both think we saw purple there too, which made me wonder if it really is like a, I don't know, some kind of a scientific thing that you could study when it comes to the paranormal about spirits projecting themselves as a color. That's interesting. You know, and I, I had didn't realize this, but as you're telling the story, I can remember when we did our uh, live video, Facebook video with you guys. I remember Kelly now telling that story or you telling the story. I think Kelly had brought it up, but you both were starting talking about the that color purple and everything there. So I remember now that story that she brought up when somebody had asked about the favorite place she'd ever been through. So it makes sense now. And then there was, I can't remember her name because this was a couple years ago, but whoever this spirit was, I feel like her name started with an S too, but she would present as red. And so all of a sudden Sandy's like, um, we'll just say Sherry is here now and she's presenting as red. And there was a guy who was sitting kind of across from me. He was next to Stan, next to Sandy and he goes, he comes to the house quite often. And so he was like, Hey, Sherry, is that you? And I had my recorder going because I always have my recorder going. And when I listened <laughs> later on, I had captured an EVP of a female saying, yes. And it was kind uh. of this high pitched, clear as day, female voice. I'll have to send that over to you. Yeah, that'd be nice if you get that uh, that to me. Make, I can uh, maybe put that on the episode. So let me ask you this. How big was the group? I know I've seen some pictures of the area they do that, it doesn't look like it holds more than maybe 15 people or so. Does that seem fairly accurate? I think so. I think there were probably about 20 people down there. And of course, you had different people saying different things. There was a woman in the back who, I think, if I'm correct, I don't know if it was during our visit there or if it was one before us, but there is a couple of child spirits and they like to tie shoelaces together. <laughs> And it seems to me like this woman kept saying, somebody is messing with my shoes. And she kept saying that over and over again. And then there was somebody else who said that they would they were seeing a lot of the color white. So whichever spirit presented as white. Now, the craziest experience was one that Kelly had. And she thinks that she saw Henry McPike. And how she describes it is he, he came down and he was kind of standing in front of her. And at first... Now, we're in pitch black. She sees what seems to be a shadow figure. So when you talk about a shadow person, you know, a lot of people describe it as blacker than black, darker uh -huh. than dark, like it absorbs every bit of light that there possibly could be. And that's what she was seeing. She could literally see it, but it was almost like there was a little bit of an outline to it. And his face was outlined. So it was like he walked past her and then he circled back around and then got almost right up into her face. Like he almost like he recognized her. And then turned around and was looking at her. And I told her when we'd seen pictures earlier when Sharon was doing her presentation that she kind of favored his wife a little bit. So I didn't know if he kind of did this double take like, hey, you kind of look like Mrs. McPike. But she said it was just the weirdest thing is like she sees this shadow figure. He turns around and she could tell like where his eyes were, his nose, his mouth, just kind of how it was outlined almost with this eerie light around it. And she she wasn't afraid at all. She said she just thought it was a really cool experience. I know they say that when you see McPike, what they're when it, when you're down in one of those lights out sessions, that that is who they assume is McPike is when you can see it blacker than what it is down there. Even though you can't see your hand in front of your face, 
you still can see that image just like you described. And they say that is, uh, in their opinion, Henry McPike. Well, I'm here to tell you that <laughs> Kelly definitely <laughs> saw something like that. And to to let the listeners know that to make sure this is all on the up and up, Kelly and I didn't know anything about the hauntings there until they were describing it to us when we were down there for the dark session. So for her to have even seen that, it was just kind of weird that way. And what was really cool is before we even went down there, they took us around the outside on the grounds. It's on some acreage. A lot of it's been uh, taken over by other houses and that kind of thing. But there's a little bit of acreage behind it. So we were kind of back out in the woods and we were circling it to see if we could see anybody looking out out of the windows at us and that kind of thing. And Kelly took a picture. I'll have to send that to you, too where there's it looks like this blue orb but it's not quite an orb it's almost like a streak kind of light right outside of the house and the thing that was really cool about it is when I looked at the picture I'm like oh that's a really cool picture but of course we know that orbs and things like that can be bugs this didn't look like something that could be a bug just because it was a very bright blue kind of light but Kelly's like no I saw it with my eyes and then I took the picture of it So then later, we like to use dousing rods when we're doing some of our investigations. And so she had her dousing rods out and she was asking Henry. She said, Henry, was that you up there? And he crossed him to say yes. So she's wondering if that was Henry, you know, trying to manifest or something up there. Yeah. Sounds like y'all had a good time there. We did. And speaking of those dousing rods, those little kids were playing with the uh, dousing rods, too. She actually felt like a little kid had gotten up into her lap for a little bit and was pulling on one of her earrings and then they were like tugging at the dousing rods too. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, I can't wait to to go. We're going to go at some point in time. I'm going to try to set up a live event uh, in Alton. Uh, maybe maybe I can get with the Mineral Springs Hotel or something and, and set something up because I'm, I'm destined. So while we're on the subject of Alton, you've been there. You've been to uh, Troy Taylor's Haunted America Conference. Yes. Tell the listeners who haven't been there about Alton itself, as far as like your feelings towards the the town. Well, when you hear Alton mentioned, you're thinking, oh, this is a little town. How much haunted stuff could possibly be going on there? And to me, it is one of the most haunted towns I've ever been in. I've done the walking tour there twice, and it seems like every other building has a ghost story to go with it. I've been in the Mineral Springs, which you were just talking about, had experiences in there. Obviously, the McPike Mansion, we've had experiences. I've done the uh, road tour that Troy Taylor hosts, and we've had some weird stuff happen with that. And he tells some incredible stories about things that have happened to him doing that. It's amazing what's going on in this town. There's just I, I think it's because it's right there on the Mississippi, and there's been a lot of stuff that happened there. Abolitionists. Uh, were attacked there and killed there. So you just had a lot of strife there. Uh, Frederick and Lincoln had some, Fr- Frederick Douglass and Lincoln had some of their uh, debates there. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's a story about Abraham Lincoln on one of the islands there too, that he was supposed to, uh, I think, have a duel on the island. And he opted for them to use, it seems like they were going to use something else and they could get a stick that was, as long as their arms, he said, or something like that. So the other guy was like, oh, I don't want to play that game because, you know, Lincoln was so tall. Yeah, right. Lincoln was smart. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. So it's a really cool town to check out, and the Haunted America Conference is a great time. And you got all the limestone there. That's another reason. Between the river and the limestone, we talked about that a little earlier in the episode. That is true. There's a ton of it there. 
And then you've got a cryptid there that everybody likes to talk about. Oh, that's a new one on me. What do they call it? The Piazza? I think it's the Piazza bird. And uh, they even have a mural of it up on one of the limestone rock walls that's along the main road there. Really cool. Yeah, the place looks like, I mean, and it, I compared it earlier in the episode to uh, Atchison as far as just, you mm. know, a smaller town, you know, on a river. Uh, Atchison's not that far from Kansas City. This isn't that far from St. Louis. I mean, it's just, you know, but they're both just loaded with with hauntings and stuff. Absolutely. So I almost think that small towns are better to go to than the big towns for hauntings. I agree. I agree. Especially the ones that, that, that go way back and from the Midwest like that in the South. So, well, Diane, I know you're getting ready to go do a fun investigation of the USS North Carolina. So uh, you're going to be getting off of here, but I want to tell everybody listening, make sure you go listen to History Goes Bump. It's one of the podcasts that got us started. I've mentioned every time I've got you on, you are a mentor to us. We greatly appreciate it. And check out her episode on uh, the McPike Mansion. It's episode 301 of History Goes Bump, and uh, you'll get to hear a different take on it than ours. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your take, too. Well, you know, ours will undoubtedly be different because we just do things different, but... Uh, that's the beauty of these podcasts is you can listen to several different ones and not hear the same story. So, Absolutely. All right, Diane, have safe travels, and we'll be talking to you soon. All right, you take care and give uh, Tracy a hug for us. I will. All right, now I'm going to play you the EVP recording that Diane was talking about. Listen closely, and uh, we'll see what you get out of it. That you again, sir? Yes. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's show. Thank you so much for all that you do for us. We appreciate it. Yes, we love you. And you guys have a blessed week. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. And try to be with your family if you can. But we know how it goes. But anyway, we hope you all have a great Thanksgiving.